good to be here. And uh, I thought last week was wonderful. We were only expecting to be a handful of people last Sunday, and we had a, a pretty good group, and it was awesome. And uh, it's just a wonderful day for us to take off and to go be with our kids and grandkids for a little bit. So I just wanted to remind you, um, we talked about last Sunday from 2 Peter 3.18. I just wanted to, just a quick, just a quick uh, reminder. Peter spoke to us and he said, I want you to grow. Remember that? And I want you to grow in some things. I want you to grow in the grace of God and the knowledge of God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I just want to remind you that in 2022, growth doesn't happen by itself. Remember what I said? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I encourage you to be intentional about what am I going to, how am I going to respond to God's grace and the knowledge of the Lord this year and uh, walk it out. And we'll talk a little bit more today. Today is the beginning of a series in which we're going to talk about um, in fact, um, Tirza, would you do me a favor? Would you grab one of those 16 trues or whatever it is, bol- uh, brochures in the hallway and bring it to me? Thank you. So get your, get your Bible out, whether it's digital or, or analog. And if somebody needs a Bible, I've got an extra one up here. If you want a paper one. Lola. Here you go. So we're going to be looking at the first truth of those, yeah, you got it, our 16 doctrines. Again, doctrine is kind of a funky sounding word. Um, It really just means our beliefs, okay? So when you see that word, don't let it scare you. Um, 16 doctrines or 16 beliefs. And um, so we're going to be looking at the first one today. But um, as I prepare to talk about that, I want to ask you a question. What do you believe about the Bible. Let me grab my Bible. This is a big fat study Bible. It's called the uh, Fire Bible, and um, we can get these for you guys in small paperback too. My eyes aren't great, so I got, a, I got a huge print one for me, and it's got millions of notes in it. It's just an amazing resource. If you want a Fire Bible, I'd be glad to find one for you. And I got this one in ESV, English Standard Version. You can get them in NLT, New Living Translation, or King James, or New King James, or a couple other versions, I think, too. So, what do you think about the Bible? Yes, here's a... Inspired by God? Okay. Someone else? It's the infallible Word of God. You guys are using some terms we're going to talk about. Anybody else? Yes, Teresa. Oh, what? I like that. Yeah, Okay. Anybody ever struggle with believing that the Bible is actually from God and think, well, maybe it's not completely accurate? Anybody ever tell you it's not, it's not from God, it was just a product of people? Yeah, we're hearing that a lot today. That's a very, very common thing. If you go to the public school system, what are they going to tell you about the Bible? It's just another good book of, of, of religious mythology, maybe, and things like that. Jesus was obviously being from the Middle East. He wasn't white, and he was, he's probably in between, right? He kind of fits for everybody. He's brown. Olive complexion, I most like. Pardon? Yeah. 
I know if you watch The Chosen, I just love to listen to that guy, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus. I love the way he talks. So it's almost as too good. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of uh, opposition to the Bible in our day. In fact, there are nations in which it is illegal to have a Bible in that nation, in that country. You get caught with a Bible, it's a crime. Interesting that they would be that threatened by God's word, the people in power. So we actually help uh, support a missionary in Myanmar, which used to be called Burma, and it's a missionary pastor there. And he says about every two or three weeks lately, because the, the army took over their little nation and is going around killing people that disagree with them, and, and they've been burning villages, and he, he and his people have had to run into the jungle a number of times and just hide out until the army comes through burns whatever they're going to burn, steals whatever they're going to steal, and then goes on. And he says, we haven't been able to have church services for over a year. It's a really, really hard situation, and so we've been helping support them a little bit. But um, their nation, the army, does not want anybody to have Bibles. So, so anyway, this morning I brought something, and it's on the screen too. I saw that Dale had it up a minute ago. Um, what is this? This is a handbook. This is a manual. I have a little Toyota RAV4, and this is the manual for the RAV4, you might call a handbook. If you've got a problem with it, like my radio stopped working, you can turn to radio in the index and figure out what went wrong and how to replace the fuse or whatever it is. How many of you guys have ever had to use one of these for your car? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays, we just go to YouTube. <laughs> it's a lot easier. I got, all, got the world of information on YouTube. I've, I changed my brakes last time following the YouTube video, and you don't need the book as much anymore. But is that manual the same as uh, the car? No, it's not the car. It explains everything about the car and how everything works and how to fix things that are broken, right? So when I hold up a Bible, is this God? No. This, is, this explains everything about God, just about everything, and it also helps us understand how to fix what's broken, right? And it's full of God's message to us. So it's important to us that we realize that we don't worship the Word of the Lord, we worship the Lord of the Word. So we don't worship the Bible, but we esteem the Bible highly because God gave it to us. So we're going to talk a little bit about this first... Uh, uh, first belief that we have, which is called the Bible-inspired, and uh, I want to read this. I want to tell you a little story. Um, the scriptures of the entire Bible, it's right there. Are, you want to read that with me? Let's do that. Let's read that together. The scriptures of the entire Bible are verbally inspired of God. It was not just the ideas that were inspired, even the choice of words was inspired as the original writers were moved by God to write what he wanted them to say. Therefore, believe that, one, the scriptures are God's word and way of revealing himself to mankind, at least one way. Secondly, they are infallible, which means never wrong. And they, thirdly, are divinely authoritative guide for our faith belief, and way of living. And then there's some scriptures that we're going to look at in a moment here. So 
It's really kind of like guardrails. And I think I've got a guardrail coming up in the next slide, or maybe it was behind. Yeah, there's a guardrail. I took a picture of these guardrails um, the other day. And uh, we, we read there that the Scriptures help us with two things, doctrine on the one side and our manner of living or lifestyle choices on the other side. They keep us in the middle, right? If you're driving, I had a, I had a Toyota 4Runner, and um, we went to, um, we went to uh, Hot Springs a couple winters ago, and we were driving down the freeway, coming back from Hot Springs. I was doing about 45, and I had my cruise control on and icy roads. Can you say stupid? Yeah, you can say stupid, and I received that because it was stupid. Because when the cruise control on and you're on ice and you're going up a hill, guess what? It shifts down and goes, and it made the wheel spin, and my car went out of control. And guess what it hit? The guardrail. It did. It munched the right uh, front fender and the grill, and it broke the grill to pieces, and and uh, fortunately, I was able to pull the fender out and get the car back on the road and get home. But um, it was a mess, and I had to do some repairs to it. But the, guess what? The guardrail saved my life, saved our life. Because guess what? On the other side of the guardrail was a kind of a downhill slope, and it would have ended down in the bottom of a big ditch. And so I thank God for the guardrails. So the two guardrails that the Bible provides are what we believe it if we start getting off into something that's not true, the Bible is going to show us through what, for, through right, right beliefs how to get back on the road. And then on the other side, if we get off in our lifestyle choices into something that's wrong, like we begin to hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards people, the Bible confronts that and says, no, get back in the middle of the road. Now, what is the middle of the road? The middle of the road is walking with Jesus as you're going along, you're walking along with the Lord, and, 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 and you're talking with Him, which we call prayer, you're reading the Scripture, you are, you're interacting with God, sharing your life, He's talking to you, and He speaks to us in so many ways, not just the Bible, He speaks to us through people, He speaks to us through His Spirit, He speaks to us by the peace or the lack of peace in our lives. But as we go along, if you, get, if you start to veer to one side, what are you going to hit? You're going to hit the guardrail. If the Word of God is increasingly and continuously coming into you, you're going to bump into that, and it's going to go, no. I, I got a letter from a friend of mine years ago, and she said, yeah, I joined this Bible study group, and they told me something that really made me uh, curious. I'd never heard that before. They told me that Jesus had John the Baptist killed because he was competing with him. I just went, oh, my friend. I said, no, 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 no. Get out of that group now. What does the Bible teach? And I pointed her to what the Scriptures taught. John the Baptist actually said, he must increase and I must decrease because he's the son. He's the spotless lamb of God. And so what they were telling her, that was the guardrail. God's word said, nope. Nope, get off, get back in the middle of the road. And then on the other hand, if we start going off into choices, behavior choices that are, that are going to cause problems for us, they're going to bring death in our lives. I mean, there's so many examples I could use. If we begin to get involved with somebody 
emotionally who is not our spouse if we're married or somebody that we should not be getting involved with. The Bible's going to go, nope, nope, don't do that. You're going to hit that right guardrail. And hopefully you're going to learn and get back in the middle and go, okay, Lord, I want to walk with you. And he's going to guide and direct you as you go. So let's take a look at these three verses real quick. I'm going to try to move along fast because I want to make sure we get done close to time today. Um, the three verses that, that um, were provided by in the brochure, and you guys can all, excuse me, you can all grab one of these, and if you run out, I've printed off a whole bunch of copies. In fact, if you want one of these, we'll just pass them around. Grab one of those. And, um, but we're going to take a look at these three verses first. And the first one is in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so, if you got your Bible, I didn't put it on the screen. <laughs> so pull out your Bible or your phone. And uh, this is where I'm trying to train you guys to be quick in getting your Bibles out and, and, and letting the Word of God be there for you. So, And if you need help learning how to do the church app, just talk to me after service or talk to one of our leaders and I'll be glad to help you with that. Okay, 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to start with verse 14. Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a young man that, that got saved under Paul's ministry, and Paul was like a spiritual father to Timothy, okay? And he says, but as for you, and he's Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings or scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. By the way, there are copies of the notes for today back on that countertop if you need them. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, here's our key verse, is breathed out, and that's the word inspired. Literally, it means breathed out. In the New Living Translation, they just write breathed out. Other translations will say inspired. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. We'll talk about what this means in a sec. For correction and for training in righteousness. That the man of God or the woman of God, that's a generic use of the word man there, may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. Gosh, there's so much in this verse to preach in just this verse today, but we're going to move along. So what does Paul believe about the Scriptures here that he's telling Timothy? Yeah, he's saying, buddy, this is what's going to make you equipped and, and complete. You need to take these Scriptures seriously. And he's talking at this point about the Old Testament because there is no New Testament yet. Paul is actually writing the New Testament as he's saying that. So he mentions four things that the Scriptures will equip you with. And the first one is, who's got your Bible out? Verse 17, excuse me, verse 16. For teaching, okay. What is teaching? It's bringing understanding by providing information. Okay? 
I'm teaching you something. I'm explaining something. I'm bringing understanding to you. Does your Bible bring teaching to you? Does it teach you how to go, how to walk in life? Yes, it does. If you didn't have that information, you'd be walking in the dark. Second thing it, it does is it, it, it reproves or brings reproof. That's a word we don't use very much, isn't it? Reproof is a word that simply means that it identifies a problem that you're having. It, it confronts you. It, 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 it gets in your face. I remember um, examples, just an example of, this, of reading the Word, and it's, it talked about a righteous man um, sows and gives to others. And I remember being convicted that I was being miserly. I've always struggled with fear of not having enough. I was raised by a depression dad. So, and uh, just never have enough. It's got to work more, got to work more, got to provide, and don't want to give anything away because then we won't have enough. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible confronts us and says, God is generous. And so it confronted me, it reproved me. Then the other half of that, it says it brings correction. So reproof is identifying the problem. Correction is identifying the solution to the problem. So the Bible gives you solutions. It tells you things like you need to repent and turn from that thing and then begin to walk with the Lord in a new direction or whatever it would be. There's a million examples all through the Scriptures. Great example, this is the book of Proverbs. Oh, it's full of wisdom. It reproves, it confronts us, and it also instructs us and leads us out. And finally, it says the fourth thing, it says it trains us in righteousness. Trains us in righteousness. It basically, you know, the idea of training is, is that you're going to, to work with something over a period of time until it accomplishes the goal. And, the, and it's like when I, I love to, to do rose bushes and uh, fruit trees. It's kind of like my, my, my gardening stuff. I like to do that. And Brooke particularly loves the rose bushes. I like them too. In fact, we, a couple times I've been the one that picked them out and ordered them when we moved into a different house. And um, so I love to train fruit trees up against a wall. They call that espalier, where you take the branches and you make all go out in like a really pretty, pretty pattern or whatever. There's all kinds of patterns you can do. And uh, I did a Fuji fruit tree, apple tree, that really turned out beautiful. And that's training. It's, it's guiding those things to go the right direction so they don't go the wild, don't do the wild thing, the wild direction. And so... God wants to train you so that you grow in righteousness, in the right things, the wholesome things, the healthy things. And so, isn't that an amazing passage talking about the value of your Bible? Isn't that incredible? So when you read your Bible, do any of these things take place in your life? I hope so. I hope it, I hope it does. In fact, you can ask the Holy Spirit when you open your Bible, Holy Spirit, please come and help me with my Bible reading. Speak to me, reprove me, correct me, instruct me, and train me. And He will. He'll come alongside and help you. Okay, let's look at the second verse, which is 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Get your Bible out. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I wish I could take more time to wait for you guys to catch up on that, but... You're going to get better at it as you go. 
Paul says here, he's writing to, it's probably his oldest letter, the earliest letter in the New Testament um, that's not a gospel. He says to this brand new church people, he says, we thank God, also thank God continually. Because when you received the word of God, when you, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. And he just said a mouthful of stuff there. He said that the message that he and his co-workers brought to these people in the Greek town of Thessalonica, it's called Thessaloniki now in Greece, he said that that message they brought, which is what we call the gospel or the good news, was actually the message from God, not from men. He was basically saying the things we spoke to you came directly from God. And it's fun. I love what he says at the end there. He says it was, it's actually the word of God, not of, men, not of men, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So he's saying that that message actually had power to work in your life as you trusted in God and go forward. So I'm going to skip some of the questions because I want to keep moving through, but you guys can follow along either in the sermon notes or write down notes from the slides. So let's look at the third verse, which is the second Peter. And I'm going to actually read verses 16 through 21. So we've heard from Paul, now, and we'll, now we're going to hear from Peter, okay? I love this. This is later on, this is, not very, this is right before Peter was actually executed by the Romans. They say, um, we don't, it's not in the Bible, but they say historically that he was crucified upside down. And he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't believe he was worthy enough to be crucified right side up like Jesus was. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's interesting. Think about, man, the things that, that he suffered. I just can't even imagine that. So he writes, we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly beloved son, or loved son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. You start to remember that story? They call that, what do they call that? The transfiguration, yeah. Jesus went up on the mountain with these three guys, Peter, James, and John. And that's in Matthew 17, if you want to take a look at it, the first seven verses. It says, because of that experience, Peter writes, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Who are the prophets? What's an example of one of the prophets? Hezekiah. No, nope, here's the king. <laughs> Isaiah. Yes. <laughs> you got me there. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, right? Habakkuk. There's a whole bunch of them. Major prophets, minor prophets. Minor prophets were not guys that worked in the mountain digging coal. They were uh, smaller books, so they called minor prophets. So, but he says, you must pay close attention to what they, the prophets, wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place, 
until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. That's important. Or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke from God. Isn't that amazing? The prophets, whether they felt it or not, they just felt, I need to write this down. And they wrote that down, and, and they didn't, in some cases they knew God was speaking, in other cases they probably were just feeling an urgency to write something down. And that, but God gave us, through their faithfulness and their obedience, He gave us His Word. We have the Bible today because of their faithfulness and their willingness to let the Holy Spirit move in their lives and speak to them and speak through them. Isn't that amazing? One of the coolest things is to be able to have a confidence that the Bible we have is what God wanted us to have. Now, of course, we have to take into account that our English translation from the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek is not going to be perfect. It's not infallible. The translations aren't infallible, but the original Word of God is infallible. So that's why we use different versions. Maybe some of us use multiple versions of the Bible to kind of hear what different interpreters say and put it all together. I do that. So what, what authority did Peter say he had to convince these guys that this was actually God's word? As you, as you read that verse we just looked at. Um, I, I think that's the New Living Translation. His authority was, I was there. I heard God speak to Jesus on the mountain. Me and Peter and John were there. In fact, we read that Peter tried to build a tabernacle for Elijah, who was there. He got kind of sidetracked, and God had to correct him and say, no, 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 this, you want to focus on my son. So he hit, he, hit, uh, uh, he hit one of those guardrails. So that's what Peter was talking about, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 7. So what does Peter say about the Old Testament prophets? How much value did he place in them? He said, you guys got to pay closer attention. He said, their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. And you got to realize that none of these prophets wrote what they're saying because of their own ideas. He said, it was the Holy Spirit moving them. And there are a lot of people today that will tell you that the Bible is just man's words with maybe some influence from God. No, we got what we have because of the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives speaking to them to write down what they did. Sure, they wrote it down in their own language and their own accent and things like that, but we got the message that God wants us to have. It's an amazing thing. I'm not saying the Bible is easy to believe and understand. I mean, understand everything. I'm saying that it's God's Word, and as we walk with the Lord, He will use it, and His Spirit will teach us out of the Word and, and help ex explain. How many of you that have walked with the Lord go, yeah, I understand an awful lot more of the Bible today than I did when I was a new believer? Yeah. There are so many passages as I've walked with the Lord that I did not understand. And then all of a sudden, like 20, 30 years in, it's like, oh, that's what that means. That's a wonderful thing. That's the Holy Spirit renewing my mind and bringing understanding. So what did Jesus say about the Old Testament? Let's take a look at some verses. I'm just going to read these to you so we can get through. Listen to this. If you ignore the least commandment, 
and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the Old Testament laws there. In Matthew 22, 29, Jesus replied, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He's talking to the Pharisees there. They know that they memorized at least the first five books of Moses, probably a lot more because they never stopped studying and memorizing, but they did not understand it because they were resisting the Holy Spirit's work to, to, to teach them who Jesus was. They were resisting Jesus. John 5.39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are the thing, they which testify of me, Jesus says. So he's saying that the, test, the, old, script, the old Testament scriptures are, are preaching Jesus. And they were resisting that, refusing to see that. I love John 10.35, the scriptures cannot be broken. That's just a piece of that verse. That Jesus says very clearly, the scriptures cannot be broken, which means... You cannot, you cannot defeat them. They are from God, and He wants us to receive them as from God. Now, here's one of my favorite passages in Luke 24. Here it's after the resurrection. Jesus appears as a stranger walking down the road and catches up with these two guys who are disciples that are all trying to understand what happened. You know, Jesus, whom we thought was this mighty prophet from God, all of a sudden the Romans have crucified Him. And the Jews have helped with that. And but we heard a rumor that he's resurrected from the dead. And they're going along and Jesus catches up to them and he starts talking to them. And he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all, in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, which is what's the first book of Moses? Genesis, right. Beginning at Genesis and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you know that Jesus is in every book of the Bible? Not the name, but there is some revelation of who Jesus is and what his purpose is in every single book of the Old Testament and the New it's an amazing thing. And they said to one another later on, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You know, the cool thing about the Bible is you don't have to be smart and educated for God to speak to you out of the Bible. You can open the Bible up, read a psalm or a proverb or anywhere in the Bible and the Holy Spirit can take that and speak to your heart. He's so faithful and able to do that. The Bible is available to everybody. If you can't read it all, you can listen to it. You can watch it on video. It's so amazing. Okay, let's move on. We'll get wrap this up here. Real quickly, the New Testament. I want to read Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Actually, 1 through 4, I'm sorry. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us, Luke says at the beginning of his gospel. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us, the disciples, from the early disciples, having investigated, carefully investigated everything from the beginning 
I also have decided to write an accurate account for you. I mean, Mark and Matthew had already written Gospels. Now Luke was going to write it all down because he said they missed a bunch of stuff. And I got a whole lot more interviews with people like Mary, Jesus' mom. Remember the first couple chapters of Luke? It's all incredible detail about Jesus' birth and things that led up to it. So he says, I, I want to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Isn't that a cool thing to read and to understand about the gospel letters from those four authors? There are four different letters and four perspectives, and they all fit together. Some of them have one emphasis, some of them have another. They, you put them together, and I've got a, a Bible called The Life of Christ in Stereo, where the, the author put all four gospels together into one big gospel. And it's amazing how it all fits together. But Luke wanted to make sure that we could trust in the gospels that were written. Paul also the same thing, and Peter talks about Paul. Did you know that Peter talked about Paul's letters? I want to read um, 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. Remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. Boy, that's true. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. Notice he calls Paul's letters Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So Peter, obviously, is looking at Paul's letters and going, I value this as Scripture as much as the Old Testament. And he's saying that people that distort and misuse it are going to end up with something bad, destruction. So as summary, as I close this morning, the Bible provides two, two curbs. One is right belief. The other is right living. And as you walk down the middle, walking with God, talking with Him, experiencing Him in relationship, if you get off either side, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wake you up. It's gonna, you're going to bump into that guardrail like I did with my Toyota. <laughs> And it's going to keep you from going over the edge if you respond to that guardrail. Okay? So that's the thing. Stay in the middle of that road, letting God speak to you and direct you, letting the Word of God transform your life. So if either, have you guys bumped into either of these guardrails in your experience with God? I hope so. We all do. We all get off track a little bit. And God is so faithful to help us get back on track. Has the way that we've looked at Scripture today and these verses we've been looking at, has that brought any conviction to you about maybe you've been treating the Bible itself as kind of like optional reading or considered it as just a, a textbook or considered it as just another religious document or even considered it as mythology and stories? If you have been thinking about it and treating it casually like that, I pray the Holy Spirit convicts you that this is the Word of God. David dedicated Psalm 119, all of it, to the value of the Scriptures. Every verse, I think, except two out of 160 or 70 verses mentions the Word of God in the verse in some way. Commandment, teaching, doctrine, whatever. He uses different words. We need to make sure that we value. Did you know that we live in a day 
where this current generation of Americans is the most illiterate in the history of the United States? We are a people that don't know God's Word. And if we don't know God's Word, you know what? It makes us susceptible to what? The lies of the enemy. Because he'll tell us things like he told Eve in the garden. Hey, you're not, that's not going to cause any problems for you to eat that fruit from that tree God forbade you to eat from. And she ended up saying, I was deceived. If we don't hold on to God's Word and know it, we can be deceived. And I encourage you guys to join one of our um, Bible reading plans. Many, many of you are already doing that. And uh, I just want to up here on the, on the next one. Go ahead. Next slide, Dale. Um, here's a couple, ver a couple um, really good um, resources for you if, you're, if you want to read more and discover more. One is Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and I've got a copy you can borrow. And then a really good website called Why Do We Trust in the Scriptures? Really, really powerful. So if you want to do the reading plan called Digging Deeper Daily that we just started yesterday, it's not too late to do that. You go to your phone, you type in, you're know, just under the, under the apps, it's got a little A thing, at least on my phone, App Store. And you look for U version, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Then you click on that and you, you take that app. It's free, completely free. There are other ones that are not. The Dwell app is like 15, 20 bucks a year. But U version's free. You load that on your phone, then when you open it, the bottom says plans. It starts out. It says home, Bible, plans, discover more. You click on plans. You can find a plan. And you type in there, digging deeper. And actually what you need to do is, first of all, friend me. You go to home. Down at the bottom of home, you, it says add friends. Type my name in, Jim Settle. You become my friend. I will invite you to this plan. You can't get onto it otherwise. You can only get it for yourself. You can't get it with our group unless I invite you because I'm the admin for that group. And I'd love to. We've got about 50 people invited. I'd love to have more people invited in the plan. It's already starting out really good and giving us, we're having some great conversations and stuff like that. So I need to close so you can get out of here. And I want to pray. And I want to encourage you to take God's word seriously in 2022 that you'll have a plan to grow in the Word. Just a little bit on a consistent basis daily will make a huge impact in your life. It will renew your mind and transform your thinking. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your Word this morning. I ask that you'd bless your people. I ask that you would help them to be intentional, to take steps. And God, that they would not make excuses and say, well, I'm, I'm not a good reader or whatever. There's so many, so many ways to take in your Word, Lord. And this plan allows us to actually hit the play button and it'll read it to us. And I just thank you for that. So Lord, I pray that we would, we would be a people filled with your word, filled with your understanding of your ways. We pray that you would teach us, reprove us, correct us, and train us in righteousness this year. We'd be a people, God, that stays within the guardrails and walks with you in a daily walk, God. And we just thank you so much for your goodness. Ask your blessing as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.
a wonderful afternoon. If you want to be prayed for, just come on up to the front. I'll be glad to pray for any needs and invite some of our other prayer people to come up and join us to pray for you. Thanks again, Tirza, for sharing that awesome testimony.